Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed if you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Galatians 4, uh, 6, 14, it says, God forbid that I should boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He said, forbid that I should boast, save in the cross. So he said, if I'm going to boast, I'll boast in the cross of Christ. Now, um, it says that we preach Christ and him crucified. All right. So uh, anytime you hear the word the cross, it's the same as Christ crucified. The cross, it also means Christ crucified. So, because he was crucified on the cross. And watch this. The, the, the cross is so central to Christianity. The cross was the center. It was the substance. It was and it should be and still is and should be the center, the substance, the, the focus, the subject and the, and the, 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 the theme of the apostolic preaching. The apostolic preaching was hinged around the cross. Paul's preaching had, had was had his preaching of salvation or his teaching on the salvation of God for man was heavily hinged around the cross. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, he says that we preach Christ crucified. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23, he spoke about how we preach Christ crucified and uh, the crucified Christ. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2, I desire to know nothing amongst you except Christ him crucified. In um, Talking about the, the teachings of Paul. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, he said I'm crucified with Christ. In 3 verse 1, he said, who has bewitched you before whom Christ has been clearly portrayed as crucified. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 11, he set us free through the cross. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. In uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 16. In uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. Philippians chapter 3 verse 18. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. Colossians 2 14 talks about how he has redeemed us by the, uh, he made a public show through the cross, redeemed us by the cross. And Galatians, uh, Philippians 2 18 talks about how some preach something else for their belly, but we preach the, the cross. It talks about how um, they are sorry, they are enemies of the cross. All right, they are not in favor of. So uh, you can tell throughout the, the ministry of Paul, the cross and Christ crucified was very central. And and the early apostles, so long as salvation was concerned, the cross was the center of their teaching, their message, their preaching. The cross was the substance. The cross was the, was, was, was the theme, central motif of their preaching. The cross was the focus so of their teaching, so long as salvation was concerned. So what is it about the cross? It's good to have an understanding of the cross. As I read earlier, Paul said, I forbid that I should boast. If I'm going to boast in anything, I'll boast about the cross of Christ. This, I would like us to go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1. I will read from the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is 
or some other translations will use the preaching, okay? The preaching or the message of, of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He says that the preaching of Christ to those of us who are saved is the power of God. So what does that tell you? It tells you that actually the preaching of Christ, if the preaching of Christ is the power of God unto salvation and if the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, then it it means that the preaching of Christ or the gospel equals to the preaching of Christ, the life of Christ, the, uh, his Christ, his person, his works and his living. That talks about that is the center of the gospel about Christ, who is his person, his works, and his, his living, or just his person and his works. That is what the gospel means. The gospel means the teaching and the preaching about Christ, his person, and his works. So, but it says that Christ is the center. Now, to some people, what if you are telling me Christ is the center? It's foolishness. For instance, the Bible says that the Jews require a sign. Religious people want a sign. You are saying that God has sent you. Nicodemus said to Jesus, <laughs> John chapter 3 verse 20, he said, no one can do these things except God be with him. So when they see some things happening in your life, religious people say, oh yeah, God is really with these people. And so in Matthew chapter 16 verse 1, they came to Jesus. They said, Master, can you give us a sign? Give us a sign. In Matthew chapter 12 verse 38, they came to Jesus. They coming trying to test him, the Pharisees. They said, can you give us a sign from heaven to show that you are actually sent from heaven? And he says that you, this, this uh, adulterous, adulterous generation will always look for a sign. He said, there's no sign that will be given to you except the sign, the sign of uh, uh, jo- Jonah. As Jonah was three days in the will. In the belly of the whale, so the son of man. So religious people seek a sign. So it says that the Jews require a sign. If you don't give them a sign, you're coming to tell me the Messiah who is supposed to deliver us and lead us into triumph and glory. You are telling me he died. They crucified him. Come on. Who would want to follow a crucified savior? Who would want to follow a murder, a murdered conqueror? If he could save, that's what the thief told him on the cross. Save yourself and save us too. It looks like when he was on the cross, he was very helpless. And so we were going to tell a Jewish man whose understanding of the Messiah was one that is the son of David. And David was the most triumphant king and strongest king in the Jewish history. And who is the son of? So he said, the one is going to be like David. This one is crucified. Please, please, please don't go the Jew will tell you by my what you are telling me is offending me and the Greeks the Greeks want something very intellectual they want some wonderful speech well articulated from an elocutionist or from someone who is very eloquent who has he knows how to speak how to dot his eyes and cross his teeth and his phonetics are all intact we want somebody like that and when he speaks you can tell he's speaking from someone like someone who is a top expert from Yale, from Cambridge, from Oxford, from somewhere very high. They say, tell us something very intelligent instead of telling us that someone who died on the cross is saving me. If he could save me, why did he die on the cross? Why couldn't he, could he save himself? So, so they said, it's foolishness. He said, but to those of us, verse 23 of First Corinthians chapter 1, it says that, but we preach Christ crucified. Hallelujah! 
We don't we preach Christ crucified. It would have been interesting if he had said we preach Christ resurrected, died and resurrected. They said we preach as though Christ just died and never resurrected. But he did. Watch this. He said we but we preach Christ crucified, crucified. Uh, to, to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness but to those who are called both Greeks and Jews Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God what they are looking for the wisdom they are expecting in our preaching the wisdom is in Christ so if we can preach Christ you will find the wisdom if you can find Christ you will find the power of God if you can find Christ you will find the wisdom in these days what we need what people need what our world needs a, a lost world what a lost world needs is not necessarily compassion is not necessarily good works which even though all those things are essential and, and important but the key thing a miss a lost world need is Christ the preaching of Christ I'm talking about the preaching of Christ and him crucified the preaching of Christ and him crucified we can't preach Christ who didn't die we can't preach a Christ who was not crucified the cross is the center of the message of salvation the, the, uh, let me calm down the cross is the center is the substance is 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 the central motif is the focus of the message of salvation in other words nobody can be saved outside the preaching of the cross so he says there's no name given amongst men by which we must be saved even like the name Christ Jesus all right so he said Christ there is the stone the bill just rejects Acts chapter 4 verse 10 and 11 so now Coming back to First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter three, sorry, chapter one, he said we preach Christ crucified. Now, as I mentioned, you are talking to Greeks, you are talking to Jews. Why don't you preach Christ in another way that will be acceptable to them? But you preach Christ raw. A few things I want to mention here. Number one, the preaching, preaching itself is offensive to them because they found preaching unintelligent and pointless. But I said we preach. So the medium. The method of reaching out to people can, can come across foolish, but that's what God has chosen. Number two, we preach Christ crucified. The message itself, it sounds stupid, foolish. It sounds idiotic. It sounds, uh, it, it sounds, uh, 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 bizarre, absurd. So we preach the, uh, the, the means is not acceptable to normal people. The, content, the message, the substance is not accepted and he says that even we the preachers are not accepted you are going to preach to me look for someone who who can speak in a certain way who has this, who has this kind of quality, you are sending fishermen you are sending all, so he said we preach Christ and him crucified, number two the point, the main point I want we want to draw attention to is that we preach Christ crucified not Christ resurrected, even though they preach the resurrection heavily he says that you people you Greek, you are looking for something as we preach crucified Christ, why? because they, they like things that make them feel important, that make them feel yeah, talk about prosperity talk about, talk about greatness, talk about elevation, talk about things that are glorious, not things that are shameful 
people. Because when you talk, when you say Jesus Christ, you are talking about a person who lived, and you are talking about his life, his living, his works, his actions, his abasement, and his humiliation. Because that is the, that's what Jesus Christ means. When you say Jesus Christ, a human being who lived a certain life, he lived at a point in the Bible said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? John chapter 1. So he lived in Nazareth. He was the Nazarene. And he, he, he lived, uh, like a, as a carpenter. Then he became, came into ministry. He lived with the poor. He ate with the poor. He ate with sinners. He lived a life that was not amongst the top elite. And he lived, he was, he was persecuted, he was criticized, and eventually he was disgraced and and crucified and killed in the most shameful way you could ever think about. When you talk about Jesus, that's Jesus Christ, that's what you're talking about. And the Greeks don't want to hear this. The Jews don't want to hear it. Please, why don't you find, an, find another way to reach out to the Greeks and the Jews outside of this crucifixion? Because the crucifixion is a stumbling block and it's a point of offense. But Paul said we preach. We could have preached other things because, watch this, the truth is in Acts chapter 2, verse oh, I like this. Oh, Acts chapter 2, oh, Okay, let me go to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, one point here is that Jesus dying was not an accident. He wasn't a martyr. It wasn't like he came and one day just accidentally died or they killed him and they should have killed him. No, 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 no. It was all part of God's plan. Watch this. In Acts chapter 2, from verse 22, men of uh, men of Israel... um, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, a man, he was a man, okay? A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know. Him being, watch this, being delivered by the uh, determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You, the people, you people, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. You took him and put to death, put him to death. But how did you do it? Bible says that even though it, you are culpable, you are responsible for your own acts, what you are doing, even though you are doing evil, it was by under the, the predetermined purpose and foreknowledge of God. In other words, it is under the providence of God. You were doing your own thing, but you were actually fulfilling God's plan. So it wasn't like an accident in life. It wasn't like a surprise to God. It was part of the program of God. Verse 24 said, whom God raised. So why, when they were saying we preach Christ, why didn't they preach Christ resurrected or Christ raised? And they said we preach Christ crucified. And look at chapter chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 20. 7 and 28. It said, it, the, the Bible says, this is the prayer of the apostles, for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and people of Israel were gathered together to do, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. What happened to Jesus Christ was not a surprise to God. It was part of the plans of God. But he didn't stay on the cross. Brothers and sisters, Jesus did not stay on the cross. He removed him. Those of you who have him on the cross, remove him on the cross. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't stay on the cross. He went to the cross, but he didn't stay there because the cross was not his final destination. So my point is, why didn't they preach his final destination? Because what is it, what was his final destination? Acts chapter... Thank <laughs> you. 
two, I, we can go to Acts or Luke. Let's let's start from Luke. In Luke chapter twenty-four, Bible says that the on the road to Emmaus, when the Jesus met them and he was talking to them, Bible says that in verse twenty-six, Acts chapter sorry, Luke chapter twenty-four from verse twenty-five, then. 25 said, then he said to them, oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 20 says, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory. So he suffered and entered his glory. So his, the end was not the suffering. The Christ was meant to suffer. That is what the Jews missed. So when the Christ came, even his disciples didn't understand. When Peter says that, he said in Matthew chapter 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, verse 16. He says that you, Peter, Peter said you are the son of the living God, you are the Christ. Jesus said, Bless and blood, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Upon this rock I'll build my church, verse 18. And then when you read down in the verse 23, uh, from verse 21, Jesus then began to t- tell them how he has to go to Jerusalem and he'll go to and be killed, arrested and killed. Then Peter took him on the stand and rebuked him. You can't go and die. You are the Messiah. You are supposed to be a powerful person. Because they didn't even know that Jews have not seen clearly from scripture that the Messiah was supposed to go through crucifixion, humiliation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like Philippians chapter 2 verse, verse 8. Bible says that he humbled himself even to the death on the cross. The death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself. Paul always spoke about it. He humbled himself then unto the, even the death of the cross. So, but the Jews were not expecting that the Messiah should die. The Jews were expecting that the Messiah should reinstate the Davidic kingdom and they will be free from Roman occupation, Roman oppression, and Roman rule. But that wasn't the time. So, even when he resurrected from the dead in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, his disciples asked him, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were always bringing political issues in, but that wasn't the time. And he says, it's not in your power for, it's not for you in your power to know the times and seasons of God or the times God has placed in his hands. Then he says that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so he said, Jesus said the Christ ought to have gone through these things. Look at verse 46 at Luke chapter 24 verse 46 says that then he said to them that it is written and that it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day so Christ had to suffer and rise and rise from the dead but what did Paul's teaching to the Jews and to the Greeks focus just on the negative or the painful on unpleasant on glorious bits and left the glorious aspect of it because the cross was not the end the resurrection was the end so why did he say we preach Christ crucified? No, he didn't say we preach Christ resurrected or crucified and resurrected but he said Christ crucified. One it was to humble the people to humble them to accept God in a humble state so that whatever God chooses to do it is not what seems glorious in your sight that matters but what seems honorable to God is what was important. In Acts chapter 2 verse 33 and 36, you need to say this. Acts chapter 2 verse 33 the Bible says that um, therefore being exalted to the right hand of the Father so Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He was exalted. Verse 36 therefore let the house of Israel uh, let the house of Israel know assuredly that the, that 
that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So you crucified him, but that wasn't the end. So what I'm trying to say is that after the crucifixion, there was massive glory that followed. Massive glory that followed. In Acts chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 15, 13a, it says that, Acts 3, 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, whom you crucified and delivered him by, he raised him. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 talks about how, and you killed, killed the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead. So God has glorified him. So why wouldn't they preach the glorified Jesus, but they, <laughs> they preached the crucified Jesus? The center of God's Paul's preaching, he said, we preach Christ crucified. In Acts, uh, in 1 Corinthians, again, chapter, let's go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2, he says that, for I determined not to know anything amongst you except Christ and him crucified. I didn't want to know about your housing. I didn't know, I didn't want to know about your wealth, your car, your, uh, your, I didn't want to even know about political issues. He said, we, did, we determined not to know anything amongst you, but except Christ uh, crucified. Hallelujah. Now, this leads me to a major point. So why did they focus on just the preaching on the crucified Christ and not necessarily the glorified Christ, even though they taught it? But to the unbelievers, they preached crucified Christ. When you come in, they speak glorified Christ. And to those who crucified him, they spoke the crucified Christ who has been uh, resurrected. So they hinged on the resurrection to the Jews that there's resurrection. And they preached resurrection. To be honest, they actually preached resurrection, but they never focused on resurrection without their crucifixion. But so they preached crucified Christ. He said, we preach Christ crucified. And so why? Number one, so that when they come to, they preached not what they wanted to hear, Pastor, man of God, don't focus your message on what people want to hear. Man of God, never focus your message on what people want to hear. In the first place, you don't have a message. The message is not for you. You are just like a courier boy, an errand boy. We pastors are just like courier errand boys. God delivers the message, his message to us and we pass it on. We pass it on. So we don't have our message. Once you begin to determine the message that people have to hear, you are beginning to compromise on your calling. In fact, sometimes we know people don't want to hear about the cross or want to hear about something. The message God has given us to preach, they don't like it. And so we go and buy perfume in town and spray nice perfume on the message so it can smell nice. Please leave the message the way it is and preach the message. Sometimes we want to preach it in a way so that the content is the same, but let's, let's, let's approach it from different angles. Preach the gospel. That's what I say. They will not like, they may not like the method, but let's do it God's way and it's a blessing. Amen. So they preached so that people will accept uh, those who God has called, God has called, they will accept humility. They'll come in through humility and accept it from God's standard. But much more importantly, this leads me to Genesis. I want to show you something in Genesis. Very, very important. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 it says that, and the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, alright, so the serpent was more cunning, but that is not this subject is talking, is presenting the devil as the serpent. Verse um, verse 15. Or oh, let's look, let's go to verse 
13. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, the serpent, the serpent. Are you seeing the trend of the serpent? The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you uh, you are cursed more than all the beasts of the field. I want to jump to verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He, now it says he, talking about a, a particular person, deity. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So all what the abasement and humiliation they were putting to Jesus is Satan was working and to he, bruise him. But all he could do was to bruise his heel. But this, Jesus was going to crush the head of the serpent. So it was this, watch this, it is this that makes the birth of Christ important. It is this because God promised from as soon as man, man fell that there is a seed coming. And the, the seed is going to be, the person who has fallen is going to come from the woman. It's going to be a seed of the woman. Or in other words, it's going to be a human being, not a spirit. It's going to be a human being. But you, Satan, a human being one day is going to crush you. And because you came to inject, watch this, watch this. When the serpent, when they obeyed the serpent, they listened to the serpent. Bible says that the what happened was that sin and all the poison of the serpent entered them. So the poison, the serpent's poison entered them, which is the nature of the serpent because they obeyed the serpent. Jesus, I think Paul says in um, Romans chapter 6 verse 16, I believe that whoever you obey him, his slave you become. All right, Romans six sixteen. Yeah, so when they obeyed the serpent, they also automatically became the slaves of the serpent, and the serpent's nature was injected. Watch this. This is very important. The nature of the serpent was injected into man's flesh. So from that time on, man's flesh become became serpent in, infested, or it became poisoned by the nature of the serpent. The nature of the serpent entered man's flesh. Watch this. That is why in the book of Matthew, Bible says that Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, Jesus Christ looked at the Pharisees and he said that you, oh generation of serpents, ah, you are talking here about human beings? Yes, it's a generation of serpents. When they were coming to be baptized, John the Baptist, Bible says John the Baptist looked at them, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, and he says that generation of vipers, vipers are serpents, vipers. And in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 7, actually Luke 3, 7 says that John looked at this, the, the people who were coming to be baptized. So the congregation members who were coming, new members who were coming, he said, oh, brute, or generation, or brute, or generation of serpent, generation of vipers. Jesus looked at them, addressed the Pharisees and addressed the people in, in, in Matthew chapter 12 verse 20 or 34. Yeah. Matthew chapter 12 verse 34. Jesus said, Oh ye generation of vipers. Four times they were called generation of vipers, brood of vipers. And Satan in Revelations chapter 12 verse 9 is called the old serpent. Revelations 12 9, Satan is called the old serpent, the old serpent, the dragon, the old serpent, Satan, the devil, deceived one. In Revelations chapter 20 verse 2, in the same way, Bible refers to the devil as the old serpent who is Satan. So that's why we read the serpent. So because he is the serpent, I'm not saying that every snake you see is, is the devil, but Satan had the serpentine nature. 
the serpentine nature and he is called the old serpent, the original serpent. He injected, watch this, he injected his, his nature into human flesh. So as soon as Adam and Eve obeyed him, he injected his, his nature into them. So from that time, man became poisoned. And But God gave a prophecy that, you know what, same man, a man who you have poisoned, it can, it's going to take same man to, to crush your head. And so when Jesus came, this is very important. When you read the Bible, on the, the Bible talks about how on the cross, on the cross, Jesus, this is interesting. When you read John chapter, John chapter 12, verse, John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus, watch this, this is very interesting. Jesus said, now when you read from verse 20, 21, some Jews came and they wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus said, very, very, I say unto you, except a corn of which falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. So Jesus immediately began to speak about his death. When he saw a lot more people are coming to him, he said, except a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much grain. um, So Jesus said, he has to fall and die. But when you read downwards, look at verse 31. Now I'm actually going to verse 32, but I want to start from 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Who is the prince of this world? It's the devil. So the devil will be cast out. And verse 32, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men to myself. Okay. And then verse 33 said, then he said, eh, sorry, then he, eh, this he said, signifying what death he should die. Ah, he said, if I be lifted up, talking about his death, at a point in time, the same chapter, verse 24, he said, if, uh, except a great crown of which falls to the ground, I'm going to fall to the ground and die and bring forth my grain. At the same time, he said, I'm going to be lifted up. So is he going to fall or going to be lifted up? Both are the same, referring to his death, okay? When he falls down and dies, he'll bring much grain. When he's lifted up, he'll draw men to himself. Those much grain are the men he's going to draw to himself. But the Bible says that this, he said, concerning his death. That's why they said, but the Messiah will live forever. How come you are saying you are going to die? Because they didn't understand that the Messiah had to die. So listen to this. Jesus spoke about him being lifted up. In this case, he said, when I be lifted up, it means the judgment of the, the is, that is the time, verse 31 again. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be cast out. So him being lifted up means that Satan is going to be judged and cast out. Somebody say amen. Because that is going to be, that's, that's good news. That's good news. That's good news. And now John chapter 8, verse 28 says that, then Jesus said unto them, when ye have lifted up the son of man, then ye shall know that I am he. And then, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father has taught me, I speak these things. So he says that when you are be lifted up, you will know I'm he. When, when you read down, it talks about, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It, when you talk about the freedom, he's talking about freedom from sin, the power of sin. So it's now, he said, when I be lifted up, I will deliver you from, I will deliver men from the power of sin. So number one, when I'm lifted up, Satan will be casted out. Sorry, Satan will be cast out. When I'm lifted up, man will be delivered from sin. And the last point here chapter john chapter 3 verse 14 as moses lifted up the serpents in the wilderness even so must the son of man be lifted up be lifted up be lifted up 
as Moses lift, so you see, do you see the lifting up three times? John chapter 12, verse 32, he said, If I be lifted, I'll draw men to all men to myself. Satan will be judged and cast out. John chapter 8, verse 28, he said that if I be lifted up, then you know that I'm he. And you, when, if you are my disciples, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. You will not be slaves of sin. Verse 34, Jesus and said, Verily I say unto you, who's, uh, whoever commits sin is a servant of sin. So that is why he came to deliver us from sin. And then that's when he said, first verse 36, if the son, if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. But back to chapter uh, three, he says that if I just as the, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and as Moses lifted the serpents in the wilderness, even so, even so, in the same way, even so, even so, even so, when you are reading your Bible and come across, even so, much more, in the same way, likewise, please don't take them for granted, it speaks a lot, it's comparing something, and it's telling you a certain truth by explaining, it's explaining deeper truth by a simpler truth, so he said, as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man, let's read it again, as Moses lifted up what? Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. I'm getting excited. As Moses lifted up what? The serpent. Hmm? So must the son of man be lifted. So he must also be lifted like a serpent. That is interesting thing you are saying, pastor. So that means that, uh, let's look at how Moses lifted this serpent thing you are talking about because uh, it's such an interesting point you are making. Now, in Numbers chapter 21, verse I want to read from verse 5. Verse 4 is easy about verse 5. And the peoples spake against God and against Moses, wherefore have thou brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our souls loathe this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents amongst the people, and they beat the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, the serpents were bite, biting the people and the poison was killing the people. The serpent's nature entered man. That is why you keep struggling with sin. That is why the things I do not want to do, that I do. This flesh, this flesh, serpent's nature, this flesh was poisoned from Adam. And the only one, he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7, 23, 24. Oh, wretched man, I need somebody to deliver me from this body of death. I'm carrying a body of death. Why? Because this, the poison of the serpent, the old dragon, the old serpent, the, the serpent of old has entered this thing and poisoned. I was born deformed spiritually, so long as the flesh is concerned. You were born deformed. That is why you don't have it. No human being has it in, in himself to please God or pursue God because we are born defected. And Jesus had to come. And guess what? The matter became complex, more complex when God gave us the law. So when the law was given, the law that was supposed to help us was actually being used by the sin in us to kill us, to humiliate us, to keep us far from God, farther from God. So the law actually made the situations worse as it were. So we couldn't keep the law. But watch this, watch this. So um, they said, Moses, tell God to take away these serpents from us. The people said unto Moses, please, 
tell God, they cried unto Moses, um, yes, verse 27, uh, verse 7 again, pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Then Moses prayed for the, prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, okay, make thee a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall come to pass that each, uh, that everyone that is beaten, when he looked upon it shall live. What? And so, watch this. And Moses made a serpent of brass. It wasn't a natural serpent. This this serpent was a serpent. When you look at it, it's a serpent, but it didn't have poison. <laughs> Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it it and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, if a serpent had bitten any man, if the poison has entered any man. How shall he set himself free? If a serpent has beaten any man, when he is, uh, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Hallelujah! Anyone who has that poison, all he has to do is find this lifted up serpent. <laughs> find this lifted up serpent who did not have the poison. He said, if you lift your eyes and look at that poisonless serpent because of the poison of the serpent inside you, something happens. So now watch this. The death of Christ on the cross, when Christ was dying on the cross, he, he died on our behalf to save us from the judgment of God. When we talk about Christ saved us, saved us from what? No, he, didn't, he never saved us from the devil. Watch this. Christ didn't save us from the devil. Christ didn't save us from Satan. Christ didn't save us from Satan. Jesus said, uh, the Bible said in Matthew chapter 121, he will save his people from their sins. Yeah, he came to save us from our sins. But the ultimate salvation, he saved us from God, God, from the judgment of God. It's only God we cannot stand. It's only God. If the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So when Christ died on the cross, he saved us from all the wrath. So on the cross, all the wrath of God, every anger of God, the judgment and the anger of God has anger and wrath, okay? Against sin, it was released on Christ. That is why Christ said, if it's possible, let this cup not come. It wasn't a pass. He wasn't afraid of the cross as it were. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 36, that was, he wasn't afraid of the cross as it were, but he was actually dreading when all sin will be put on him and God will separate himself from Christ. He feared the separation with the Father. That's why I said, if it's possible, let this cup come past. And God released all his anger and he turned his face away from Christ because sin was on the cross. Now watch this. This is the crux of the message. So Moses did it and anyone who looked at it and Jesus now in his submission, Jesus said as at verse 14 of John chapter 3, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the, it is a must, the son of God must be lifted up, the son of man sorry, the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We always go John 3 16 without taking into consideration John 3 14 and verse 15. He said it John 3 16 is just an offshoot from John 3 15, which is hinged on John 3 14. As the Jesus, as Moses lifted the serpent, the serpent was lifted. So anyone who looked at the serpent shall be saved. Jesus, the same way. Jesus also went on the cross in the form of a serpent. 
Why? Because God told that, that serpent in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that the seed of the woman, you are poisoning this flesh, but a flesh is going to come out of this flesh and that flesh will not have that poison in him and that flesh will go on the cross or that flesh is going to crush your power in this flesh, in this thing you have done. So, and my judgment and anger will be released against the flesh, but I'll still save man. Hallelujah. And so now watch this. <laughs> it's getting exciting. Now, so that is why he had to go to the cross. He had to go to the cross to be able to first face the judgment of God or take the judgment of God on our behalf and be able to bring the judgment of God, bring judgment against the devil so that the devil cannot have a power, but much more to be able to to um, crush the power of or the poison of the devil in the flesh so you can live for Christ and overcome the flesh Romans chapter 8 verse 3 for what does, uh, sorry for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh the flesh has been poisoned so when the law came the law was supposed to bring righteousness the law couldn't do it when God's law came. For what God's, let me put it, what, what God's law could not do or the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Uh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So he came as li- in the likeness of sinful flesh but without the sin of the flesh. And then he condemned that poison in man which was weakening us to please God and to live for God. That poison that the nature of the serpent, that serpentine nature that entered us for which reason John the Baptist said fruit or generation of vipers that viper nature needed the cross so that he also went on the cross he was elevated he was lifted so he will crush the power of sin the power and the nature of the devil in us so jesus said if i be lifted i will drop all men to myself because when he's lifted the enemy or satan is judged and then secondly he said if i be lifted i said if i be i be lifted then you know i'm he because he will he will deliver us from the power of sin and he said if i be lifted as the moses moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, when you look at me, you'll be saved. He was lifted, so he would take the judgment of God on himself and then crush the power of sin in the flesh. That is why he died on the cross. He's dying on the cross according to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. He says that he died on the cross, but his dying on the cross meant the death of death. So in, in the death of Christ, death died. Hebrews chapter 2, because the the brethren and children were flesh and blood, he himself became, uh, took part in the same, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. So in dying, he destroyed the one who has the power of death. First Corinthians chapter 15 says, oh grave, where is your victory. There's no more victory because he died. And But in, in his dying, in the death of Christ, death died. In the death of Christ, the, the serpent was crushed. He crushed the head of the serpent on the cross. So the cross crushed the serpent. It is the cross, the whole thing and the message, the whole 
message, the crux of the message of the apostle salvation message is the cross. And the cross crushed the head of the serpent. And so the cross and the serpent, the serpent who entered, who injected his nature into man's flesh. Jesus became that same type of flesh, but without the, the nature. And then took that serpentine nature on the cross and brought the judgment of God and crushed it. So in his dying, he was sinless. According to Hebrews chapter, um, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. He was sinless. In Second Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us. So he was sinless, but he crushed sin on the cross. We are happy that Jesus died on the cross for us. And today being Good Friday, we remember how he died, how our lives have been purchased by the blood. That is why the apostles said, we preach the cross. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ because in the crucifixion, the crucifixion was a game changer. It changed everything. So those of us who come to Christ in the cross, our sins are forgiven. Those who come to Christ, who look up to Christ as he's lifted on the cross, that venom of the serpent that is killing us is neutralized. I I pray that you stay under the blessing of the cross. You stay under the blessing of the cross. You stay under the blessing of the cross. We thank God for using servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.